Welcome to Southern Illinois Worship Center. Today, you'll be hearing a powerful message from our latest series. Let's listen in now. I don't know about you, but I feel the glory of the Lord in this house. And I'm thankful that every time we gather in this sanctuary, whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, whatever day it is, that the Spirit of the Lord shows up and does what only He can do. Amen? If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, I want to start off reading two different texts. And it will also be on the screens this morning. One is found in Ezekiel 3, starting in verse 16. And the other portion of Scripture is found in Ezekiel 33, starting in verse 1. And as you turn there, I just want to honor the man and woman of God of this house. I'm so thankful that we have the pastors that we have for many different reasons. For their hearts, for their vision, for their posture of worship, for their powerful praying, for their incredible preaching, and just who they are. I'm thankful for them. And so can we just put our hands together and thank God for the man and the woman of this house, Pastor Jason and Pastor Melissa. We honor you. We love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ezekiel 3, starting in verse 16. And this is coming from the, Nash, or, uh, the NLT. After seven days, the Lord gave me a message. How many has ever gotten a message from the Lord? And he said, son of man, I appointed you as a watchman for Israel. And whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Verse 19, if you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. Then in Ezekiel 33, starting in verse 1, the New King James Version. It says, and again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword up upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make their watchman. When he sees a sword coming upon the land, 
If he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. And when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. And therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? My assignment for this house today is to let you know that we must all be watchmen on the wall. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a watchman. Go ahead. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I am a watchman. Let us pray for the word today. God, I just thank you right now. Spirit of the living God, rest upon us fresh. Anoint this word. God, move me out of the way so you can do what you need to do. God, I thank you that this word is truth. I thank you that this word is powerful. God, I pray that, Lord, that the people would receive what they need to receive today. Open their hearts and their ears and their ears to receive today. God, we thank you for what you're going to do in this house. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. So we see a theme in both of these texts that I've read today. There's an importance in being a watchman. A watchman is one who stands guard. In Ezekiel 3, we see where the Lord had appointed the prophet to be a watchman over the people of Israel. Then in Ezekiel 33, verse 2, he speaks. The Lord is telling Ezekiel to speak to the children of his people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land and upon the people and take a man from their territory and make them a watchman. See the difference between Ezekiel 3 and 33. In chapter 3, 
He appoints Ezekiel over the people of God. In Ezekiel 33, he appoints a man of that territory. Both have a responsibility. Both are important. So let me get this out of the way. It's your responsibility to watch over your territory. Your territory is yourself, your family, and your house. We must be accountable for that. It's a pastor's job to speak truth into you, pray for you, encourage you, and to let you know if the Lord reveals something to them about you. But they are not with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God has called each one of us to be a watchman over our territory. In Ezekiel 33, he's explaining the importance of being a watchman. Verse 3, he says, when you see the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if that sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. But in verse 6, it says, if the watchman sees the sword coming, and does not blow the sound of the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. That's why I must tell you the truth today. I must preach the truth because I will be held accountable for this word. We all will be held accountable, not just for ourselves, but for the people that God has put in our lives to watch over. The importance of the watchman was to sit up high on the tower and to watch who or what was trying to approach and enter the gates of the city. They would try to discern whether it was a friend or it was a foe. We know that the gates are there for protection. They can allow things in and they can keep things out. It's important to know when to open them and when to keep them shut. Keep a, a couple weeks ago before uh, I was asked to preach today, I felt the Lord begin to deal with me about how many people have allowed things or people uh, access in their lives that they should have kept out. And then they have shut access to things or people that they should have been allowing in their lives. As men and women of God, we must walk in wisdom, we must walk in knowledge, and we must walk in discernment. It is vital. It's always been vital. But especially in this day and time, it's vital to walk in wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Proverbs 4.26 says, be careful what you do and always do what is right. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you do. You might not think nobody else is watching, but I can tell you there's one that is watching. Be careful what you do. What's the saying? Sin will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay and it will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Everything that seems good is not of God. Always trust your guts. 
Some people say they don't need the Holy Spirit to live. Well, I can tell you I need the Holy Spirit to drive down 13. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me walk through Walmart. Amen. I trust the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me every day of my life. And even though sometimes I don't know why at the time I'm thankful when the Holy Spirit gives me them checks in my guts, you better listen to them and don't ignore them. We can't always see why, but God knows why. Amen. In prayer this week, I felt like there are three contributing factors of why we have allowed things in our life and our family's lives that hinder us from being the watchman God has called us to be. And we need to be aware of these three things so we can keep our gates guarded. The first hindrance of why we're not being the watchman that God has called us to be is because many have become distracted. Pastor preached on this a couple weeks ago. We have become distracted. Some of you are distracted right now because of the enemy. Don't want you to hear the word today. Some of you are distracted and he is just living rent free in your head. It amazes me that people are more worried about what they're going to eat on their plates after church at a restaurant than they are worried about what they can receive from God today. You are more worried about what is going on in social media world than what God is trying to tell you. More focused on news outlets than what we should be sharing with others, the good news of Jesus. The good news is that he is alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and you. First John 30, 16 and 33 says it like this. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That is the good news. Amen. Some of us stay so busy doing the work of the ministry that we don't spend time at the feet of Jesus. Remember this, a lack of intimacy will always lead to burnout. So if you're feeling burnout today, get in your prayer closet, shut the door, shut the distractions that are going on around you and seek the face of God. And I can tell you this, when you do that, strength will begin to rise in you. Peace will begin to rise in you. Joy will begin to rise in you today. We're always doing the work and neglecting the work or the word, should I say. When you're, neglect, or when you're always doing the work, neglecting the word, it will always lead to distraction and frustration in your life. We see this with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It said, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village talking about Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. There's some people in this house right now, you are troubled about many things. But Jesus says this, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, serving is great. You need to serve. We have plenty of places for you to serve in this house. If you don't serve in an area, I encourage you to do so. But sometimes we need to be Mary's and we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to listen to what he is trying to tell us. Instead of being distracted by doing, I found it's easy for people to be busy, but it's really hard for people to be still. Psalms 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am Lord. Sometimes the reason why we don't hear answers to our prayers is because we don't stand still long enough to hear from God. Jesus had distractions as well. He knew the only way to get away from distractions and to focus was to be alone with the Father. We see this in uh, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward... When they entered, or when they had ended, he was hungry. Then verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit of Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Can I tell you, if you want to advance in ministry, the first thing you must do is Not worry about your public ministry, but worry about your private ministry with Jesus. See, people, there's a lot of people today, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. There's a lot of people that is craving the platform, but yet they have neglected their private time with God. The Bible says that his gifts will make room for you. You keep seeking the face of God. You keep praying. You keep fasting. You keep giving. And when the time is right, God will open the door for you and your ministry. Jesus was preparing for a major task. So he spent 40 days praying in the wilderness. And after this, he was tempted by Satan. Let me tell you something. Don't think that Satan will not distract you while you are trying to pray. How many has ever been distracted by the enemy? I'm not talking about your wife. I'm talking about the enemy. While you're trying to pray. That's why your phone has not rang all day. But you got your phone with you and you go in your prayer closet and you start praying. And all of a sudden that family text group starts blowing up. You ain't got an email all day. You go in your prayer closet and all of a sudden your emails are blowing up. I really feel like, I was thinking about this this week. I think that's why David said early 
in the morning will I seek thee, O Lord. Because he knew early in the morning there are less distractions in your way. But if you wait till the end of the day and give God thanks, there's going to be so many distractions along the way. Amen? Mark chapter 6, verses 30, starting in verse 30. And then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Uh-oh, some of y'all be in trouble. Y'all don't have time to eat because they were doing the work of the ministry. Verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Jesus knew the importance of recharging after hard work. Can I say this? Our pastors need to recharge. Let me say that again. Our pastors need to recharge and rest so he can carry out the vision that God has laid out for him for this house. Amen. Matthew 14, starting in verse 1 through 13. After Jesus learned that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded, he went away by himself. Yes, even the Son of God grieves. It's all right to grieve. There's some of you in this house that are grieving from a loss. It's all right to grieve, but just while you grieve, just trust in the Lord. Amen. Luke 6, starting verse 12, before making an important decision, early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. That following day, he chose his 12 disciples. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39, starting verse 39, in a time of distress, hours before Jesus was arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and he went on a short distance away from his disciples to pray. He was in a great emotional agony knowing what he was about to face. In Luke chapter 5 verse 16, to focus on prayer, many times in Jesus' ministry, he spent time alone in prayer to be effective. Watchmen, we must unplug and we must spend time with the Father. Matthew chapter 14, I referenced this in oversight last week. Peter was dealing with a distraction. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the winds were boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. In verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus was on the water and Peter wanted to get close to him. How many want to get close to Jesus today? As he was moving closer to him, there was a storm that appeared. 
I'm not sure why we are so surprised often when we're trying to get closer to Jesus that all of a sudden a storm appears in our life. Sometimes it's just to help us grow and sometimes it's just for a distraction. But we must at all times, we must at all times focus on Jesus. It happens all the time. People sign up to serve and their health is attacked. People get involved in a ministry, whether it's a community group, a D group, or a freedom group. Then there is an attack on their family. If you were not a threat to hell, the enemy would not be attacking you. But because you are being attacked, God has something great for you in store. Let me say that again. For people that come in here being attacked today, maybe you're being attacked emotionally. Maybe you're being attacked mentally. Maybe you're being attacked physically. If you weren't being attacked, the enemy would not be afraid of you. But because you are being attacked, God is victory is right on the other side of you. So don't worry about that distraction. Don't allow doubt to creep in, but stay focused upon Jesus. Amen. That storm will pass. Let me say that again. That storm will pass. It won't last always. As watchmen, we must limit distractions in our lives by creating a prayer life and keeping our eyes upon Jesus. The second thing that is hindering us from watching over our lives and our families as many Christians have fallen asleep today. In Romans 13, 11, Paul tells the church of Rome, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than we first believed. I am telling the church of SIWC today to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to shake yourself from that slumber and that sleep that you find yourself in. Arise from your slumber and see the salvation of the Lord that is drawing nearer than when you first believed. You will never inherit the promises as long as you are distracted by the giants in your life. Some of you need to square your shoulders back and look that giant in the eye and say that you would come with me with a shield and a sword, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord. Declare that over your life today. I'm reminded of an old song that we used to sing back in the day in the church, and it used to say this, and don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told old Satan to get thee behind. Victory today is mine. How about this? Joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy today is mine. I told old Satan to get thee behind. Joy today is mine. Maybe some of you need this today. Peace is mine. Peace is mine. Peace today is mine. I told old Satan to get thee behind. Peace today is mine. How many receive that in this house today? Luke 21, starting in verse 34, it says it like this. 
But watch yourselves. Least you guard your or watch yourselves. Least your hearts be weighted down with dispensation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, but stay awake at all times. Let me say that again. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Stay awake spiritually. We need to wake up. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So in other words, if you don't want the enemy to come into your life and your family's life, stay watchful. Be sober. The New Living Translation says to stay alert and stay awake. Stay awake. I want you to grab your neighbor's arm and just shake him a little bit. Say, stay awake. See, we see this. I hope nobody ripped somebody's arm off. We see this as an issue in Matthew 26. We see a few disciples that are supposed to be watching instead of sleeping. Matthew 26 and verse 36, it says it like this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here. And watch with me. He went a little further and fell off it, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus was getting ready to be arrested and crucified. He carries Peter James and John aways with him. He says, see, I want you to pray and watch. Seems simple enough, right? So Jesus would go and pray, pouring his heart to the Father because he knew what was coming. He would come back and find them sleeping, not once, not twice, but three times.
times, the same amount of times that Peter fell into temptation by denying his relationship with Jesus. That's why he said what he said in verse 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Can I tell somebody today your spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. Be a watchman. Watch and pray and instead they were sleeping. When you are supposed to be watching and you are sleeping is when the enemy walks up into your life and your family's life and he starts to destroy things that would have never happened if you would have been awake and watching. We must stay awake and we must be on guard. Daniel 7.25, one of the enemy's tactics is to wear out the saints. We are seeing this more than ever before. Whenever I'm tired, I want to sleep. I don't know about you. When I'm tired, I want to sleep. I want to be left alone. My kids can go play, but I want to sleep. Some of you have allowed the enemy to wear you out mentally and emotionally, and you have fallen asleep spiritually. Ephesians 5.14 says, wake up, sleep or rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Several studies have shown that they are saying when you first wake up in the morning, before you do anything, you must go outside and allow the sun's rays to hit you. And they said by doing this, it makes you more alert throughout the day. I want to say this for some of you spiritually that have allowed the enemy to cause you to be in a state of sleepiness. Or you are lethargic. It's time to go and stand under the S-O-N. So the light of his glory can hit you and you can become alert once again. So you can see the enemy coming. And you would declare Ephesians 6.13 over your life, over your family's life. Therefore, I put on the whole armor of God. So when in the day of evil comes, I will be able to stand my ground. And after I've done everything else, the Lord will give you strength to stand. Amen. People have become distracted. People have fallen asleep. But thirdly, there's a hindrance that people allow to deter them from being a watchman. And that God has called them to be in this because they've allowed blinders over their eyes. So one, we have distraction. Two, we have fallen asleep. And three, blinders over their eyes. And the problem with that is they can't see that the enemy is playing in their backyard. How many have become blinded so much that the enemy is playing in your backyard and you don't even notice anymore? This is the whole purpose of being a watchman, to watch and see how can we be everything God has called us to be and protect our families when we become spiritually blinded. One person was quoted saying the eyes are useless when the mind is blind. Hatred in your heart can lead to spiritual blindness. Hatred in your heart can lead to spiritual blindness. In 1 John 2 and 11 it says, but anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go having been blinded 
by the darkness. Unbelief is also a cause of spiritual blindness. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3 and 4 says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, least the light, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. John chapter 12, verses 39 and 40 says, Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their hearts and hardened their hearts. Or he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Least they should see with their eyes. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn so I should heal them. How many knows that God don't want us to walk around with spiritual blindness, but he wants to heal us? Another cause of spiritual blindness is those of hard hearts. Matthew 13 and 15, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses starting verse 18, we see where fear caused spiritual blindness. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with the, his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. And thus he had warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And now Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. 
Follow me and I will bring you to the man in whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. We see in this text where Elisha was a watchman over the people of God. And every time the Syrians had the game plan, Elisha would see it coming. It was revealed by God. And he would warn the people of God. This made the Syrians the enemy mad. Anytime you unveil the plans of the enemy, he is going to try and attack you and your family. So the servant went out the next morning and was blinded by fear. Because he had seen the Syrian army. He saw how many there were. He saw their chariots. He saw their weapons. And that is all he could see. In that moment, he became blinded by the fear of the enemy. And I wonder how many of us have allowed the weapons of the enemy or the size of the enemy to paralyze us in fear. He went and woke up Elisha, but Elisha was not blinded by the army because he looked at the servant and said that there is more for you than there is against you. He's seen something different. And in that moment, he said, Lord, Open his eyes. And when his eyes opened, his fear left him because he saw the army of God behind the army of the Syrians. Can I tell you today to quit living in fear? If God is for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. The weapon may form, but it will not prosper. Open your eyes and see the grace and the victory of the Lord Jesus. And closing this morning, Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 1. At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel. They shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. And you shall again be adorned with your, tabor- or your tambourines, Team Tambo in the house. And shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. For there shall be a, there shall be a day when a watchman, the watchman, will cry out on Mount Ephraim. Arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim and give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throne shall return there. They shall come with weeping and with supplications and I will lead them and I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am the father to Israel.
and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather them and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from, ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. And therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. For wheat and new wine. How many need some new wine in this house? And oil. For the young of the flock and the herd, their soul shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance and the young man and the old together for I will turn their mourning to joy and I will comfort them and I will make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will saturate the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Could we stand all over this house this morning? See, the Jewish people have been overthrown and taken captive and dispersed. And they were all in appearance of a forsaken people. Their land was desolate. And they were removed from all that had been dear to them on the earth from the glory of their, in, or their national independence and freedom from the temple in which they and the fathers had worshipped through many generations. So they lost their freedom and worship because of the enemy. But this text is not necessarily focusing on that, but it's, it's about restoration and how God was restoring some things to them. Not only was he restoring their freedom and worship, but during a time of sadness, he was restoring their joy. He was also restoring their peace and prosperity. They would plant vineyards and not only plant them, but they would enjoy the fruit of them. How many is ready to enjoy, enjoy the fruit of some of the seeds you plant? Lastly, the Lord was restoring relationships back to him. And I believe today, as I prayed and I studied over this word, that God wants to do that for you too. What he did for the people of Israel and Judah, he wants to restore, he wants to renew your relationship with him, but not only with him, he wants to restore your relationship with others. He wants to restore your peace. He wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your spiritual eyes that have become blinded. He wants to remove the scales off, the, off your eyes. He wants you to rest in him. Some of you are like Martha. You're so busy being busy. You're so busy being busy. But how about today we just rest in him? How about today we just set all them things aside like Mary 
Oh, I'm sure Mary could have found some things to do around the house. Women always can, right? How many have honey-do list? Don't raise your hand, you'll get in trouble. But Mary could have found something to do, but she realized the importance at the moment was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He wants to restore your focus so that you're not distracted by the storms that are going on in your life. As Pastor Evan and the team get ready to sing today and the prayer teams come, if that's you today and you want restoration in your life so that you can be everything that God has called you to be, so that you can be a watchman on the wall for your family, so that you can be a watchman on the wall for yourself, If you need restoration of any kind, if you need to limit limit the distractions, if you need your eyes open once again, I want you to come. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And he wants to do something in your life today. I'm going to pray. And then I want you to come as Pastor Evan sings a song and then Pastor Tim is going to come and close us out. As I begin to study this, I told Micah, I said, I'm having a hard time preaching this word because I would rather preach a word that Sends you out of here on a high. But I feel like there are many, not in just in this place, but all over, that have become distracted, that have become sleepy by the enemy. And we don't have much time, church. We don't have much time. We got work to do. We got work to do. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, I thank you for this word, God. Lord, I pray, God, right now that you would begin to restore some things, God, that the canker worm and the locust has taken. God, I pray as these people walk forward today, God, that they will walk with boldness, confidence, and faith, knowing that you're restoring some things in their life. God, as the old soul says, we're going to go to the enemy's camp and we're going to take back everything that he stole from us. And you're going to give us double for our trouble. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to check out our podcast weekly subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit SIWcenter.org to find out more information about Southern Illinois Worship Center. Be sure to join us right here next week.